that remain. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, because we're going to go right back into that this morning, and we're going to get into it in Jesus' name. And I believe that God is going to help us to see some more about this this morning. Amen. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. If you don't have a Bible with you, they'll put it on the screen. Or you can look it up on your, your, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever. You just log on to the, the Wi-Fi. It's provided for you. And uh, we just want to get into it this morning. Now, last week, I just told you, last week we started into this, this series talking about the spiritual power that we need in order to do ministry like this. In order to work and minister in this city, because how many of you understood what we were talking about over the first few weeks of this year? This is our city. Let me try that again. This is our city. (laughs) This is our home. This is our city. And we want to see the kingdom of God built in this place. Not just in this house and not just in our house, but in this entire city. Amen? Come on, say it with me. This is my city. See, I realize that one of the things that has happened is we've had people that have begun to speak this over the city and speak the blessings of God over the city. And that's why some of you have been encountering some of the attacks of the enemy that's come. Because, listen, when you start messing with the devil's stuff, he gets upset. How many of you have ever recognized that when you started moving for God and beginning to do something for God, the devil got upset and started trying to upset things around you? Come on, come on. I remember when I was a little boy... Man, that was, it was back before some of you were born. But uh, when I was a little boy, we used to sing in my Sunday school class, there was a little song that went like this. It said, the devil's mad, and I am glad. The devil's mad, and I am glad. He's been put away in death, and I will live in victory. The devil's mad, but I am glad. We used to sing that in my Sunday school class. And listen to me. The devil's mad. But go ahead and turn to somebody and say... He can get over it. Come on. Amen. Because this is my city. This is my city. We started talking about this last week, about the spiritual power that we're going to need in order to endure. And so we started looking at the Scripture in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 13th verse. Famous, famous Scripture said, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, the, the, the issue that we have with this Scripture many times is the fact that we've heard this Scripture so many times being related to marriage ceremonies or, you know, wedding counseling or something like that, that many times we, we have allowed it to lose some of its spiritual impact to us. Because when we hear it, we go, oh, yes, love, isn't that wonderful? It's just sweet. It's cuddly. It's, it's ooh, it's just like a warm blanket on a cold night. Whatever. Come on, turn to somebody and say, whatever. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that the Bible says that these three remain. Now, the word remain there means to stay. It means to continue. It means to stand. It means to endure. It means to hold on. Listen, we're not talking about a cute, cuddly blanket that you can put on that will warm you up every once in a while. We're talking about a spiritual power. What we've been doing is, I told you that I, I'm, you know, I'm certainly not a, opposed to using that scripture in marriages. And listen, if you're going to get married, praise God, and you want to use that scripture, go for it, do it. But what I want us to understand is there is spiritual authority here that we need to see and capture with our minds and our hearts. Because God has given us some, listen, some unchangeable, unmovable, unalterable, constant spiritual powers right here that we can access. 
and walk in them. And that's what 1 Corinthians is talking about when it says, these three remain. Now, last week we looked at the spiritual power, and I'm not going to go back and reiterate too much of it, because last week we talked about the spiritual power of hope. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, go online to mybwc.org, and you can listen to the podcast. And you can get on there, and you can get, out, or you can get all the information we gave to you last week. I had some folks telling me last week as they were leaving, and said, you know, I've never heard a whole message preached on just hope. But how many of you know there's something more to hope now? Come on. Well, we talked about that last week, but today we want to continue on in this, and we want to look at that second power, and that power by the name of faith. As a matter of fact, everybody say the word faith. faith. Come on, say it again. Faith. faith. See, we, we told you that hope last week was a belief that things can and will change because we have a good God who loves us. It's a belief that things can change. Because we have a good God who really loves us. So if that's the definition for hope, then what is the definition for faith? Well, the premier scripture, probably the most uh, uh, notated scripture in the whole Bible about faith and the definition is in Hebrews 11, chapter the first verse. So I want us to go there very quickly and I want, us, I want you to see that. Now, if you, you don't have to turn there, we'll put it up on there for you. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's our hope. There's our belief that things can change because we have a good God who has good plans and a good, good will for us. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There's three words in this I want you to understand and see real quick as we get into this this morning. Number one is the word faith. The word faith here in the Greek means the persuasion and the moral conviction. The persuasion and the moral conviction. Now, I know some people have said, well, Pastor, as I was talking to somebody this week, they said, well, is there really even a difference between faith and, and hope? And, and really, I've got, to, I've got to be real clear with you to understand that faith and hope are almost inexplicably linked together. They are linked together so closely, but there is a difference in this. Because faith is the moral conviction or the persuasion. And then it says, so that moral conviction, that persuasion is the substance. The word substance here in the Greek means the confidence, the assurance, and the actual existence. That's important. That's important. Because many times we can't just tell a belief from something else. You can't always see a belief, right? There's four of you that are on board with me. That's good. I've got four. That's fine. That's all I need. Listen, I'm just teasing you. But what I'm saying is you can't always see a belief. But when we start talking about faith now, it's the substance. That means it is the actual existence or it is the conviction. It is the, it is the persuasion. Not only that, but it is the confidence and the assurance. So now this persuasion, this moral confidence and this moral conviction is a confidence. It is an assurance. It is an actual existence of those things that we believe. That God can change for us because He's good. But let's go on. I said I said three words, right? The next one is the word evidence. The word evidence there means the proof of existence. The proof of existence. So our faith, our persuasion, our moral conviction is the actual existence of the things that we hope for. And it is the proof 
of the things that we cannot see. You say, well, Pastor, that, that, that's a whole lot of words. Can you make it simple? Yes. And, and please, I'm going to try to simplify this, but I don't, want to, I don't want you to understand or I don't want you to think that I'm trying to oversimplify it. But let's just get it down to a very, very nutshell ex- explanation. What we can say is then, faith is the evidence or the existence of our belief and the action we take because of that belief. Oh, you didn't catch that. You see, I told you that hope and faith were inexplicably linked together. They're, they're, they're almost conjoined twins here. And what we understand is that hope is that belief that things can change because we have a good God who loves us. But hope takes it to another level. And it says, what I believe, I act on. Oh, you didn't catch that. See, faith takes this believing to another step. It takes it to another level. And it acts upon what we believe. And because it deals with the moral conviction, you remember I said it had to do with persuasion and moral conviction? That means in the Greek what it's saying there is it's challenging our morality. Woo! Somebody say, ouch. Because what it's saying is if you and I really have faith, it's going to challenge our morality and who we really are. Now, that went over like a lead balloon, so let me just move on. What does this have to do with power, Pastor? We're, talking, we're supposed to be talking about power. Well, let me, let me give you an illustration. Ready for this? Let me give you some illustration. I, I, I really believe that I'm going to try to teach this morning. Of course, I try every time. Whether I get there or go over and preach and whoever knows. But I, I'm going to try to, to teach you something this morning. Let me give you an illustration of this. How many of you have car keys in your, your possession today? How in the world did all the rest of you get here? Did you just hoof it? You bunch of nasty things who are waiting for somebody else to come again. Listen, most all of us know what car keys are, right? I have some in my pocket, and this is the key to my truck. Now, in my truck, there is a slot that the key fits into. The pastor. Yes, I'm trying to get you with me. I'm trying to say, make sure you understand this. So my key is right now, that key has absolutely no power in it. Amen? I could stab you with... No, I'm just teasing. You know, but it has no power, right? I kill you, you know. No. Some of you get it on the way home. Never mind. <laughs> but it has no power until... What? I put it into the slot and do what? Let me give you another one. How about, how about the fact that most of you know that in your car it has a gas pedal? Some of you know it because we call you Leadfoots. Right? But watch, the gas pedal in your car isn't doing a thing while it's sitting out there in the parking lot. Are you in the house? Only when you put your foot to it and apply pressure... Are you getting this? So there is power that is connected to the key and the, the foot pedal or the gas pedal... But nothing is going to happen until something is enacted upon them. I believe I have a truck key. My faith says when I insert into that slot and turn it, something's going to happen. I believe that I have a black pedal on the base of my the floorboard in my truck, and when I mash it, that thing is going to roar to life, and it's going to get me down the road. Are you in this house? Hope is this belief. 
But faith is when we take it to another level and begin to act upon that hope. See, both of those items, the, the, the car key, the, the, the foot pedal, both of those release the power that is available. I hope you're getting this. I'm trying, I'm trying to go slow enough to where you catch this and you don't lose this. They are releasing power that is available in the engine. There are these three that remain. <laughs> that says, when I have a hope that links to a faith that will begin to act upon what I believe about a good God, then something is going to be released because God has already put on tap some power. All I got to do is begin to step on. Are you in this house? Turn to somebody and say, hope and faith. See, this is why the Bible says in James 2.20, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says in James 2.20, faith without works. How could it be dead, Pastor? Because faith to be alive is acting. Something is taking place. It's moving me from what I just believed into something where I have believed it, therefore I do it. See that word dead there in James 2.20, the faith without works is dead. The word dead means destitute of life, destitute of power, inactive, and inanimate. See, because faith that is alive is going to cause us to act, and it can cause a change in our actions. Let me give you one more example. You ready for this? Let me give you another example. All of you that are ready, say yes. Poke the person next to you and say, he's trying to get you awake. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. How many of you have ever tried to believe <clears throat> pardon me, that God wants you to be blessed financially? Okay? So you believe that God wants you blessed financially. Why does He want you blessed financially? So you can be a blessing financially. Why does He bless us? So He can be a blessing. So therefore, if He wants me to be blessed... Now, we can go through the Scripture. I can give you all kinds of Scripture. I don't have time for that. But I can go through the Scripture and give you all kinds of Scripture that you could begin to base your belief upon, right? How God wants us blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Blessed coming in, blessed going out. Blessed rising up, blessed sitting down. Blessed coming in. You know, blessed with my children, blessed without my children. Blessed, you know, blessed while I'm eating, blessed when I'm not eating. Blessed, I mean, blessed, 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 blessed. All the, all the blessings are yours, says the Lord. God wants me blessed. So I can be a blessing, right? How many of you believe that? Watch me now. That belief is wonderful. And there is a power in that believing. Woo! Don't you get nervous, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> We're going to tell you that when you act by your giving, you tithe and you give, you're acting upon the belief. Because the Bible says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The Bible says, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse and prove me here, what saith the Lord of hosts, and I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you, hadn't even, you don't even have room to receive. The Bible said, Come on, so what we understand is that if we're going to act, that becomes our faith. Faith is an action based on a belief. I don't want to have to mic drop. But if you're telling me that you believe God wants you blessed, but you stingy, faith without 
Oh, I didn't say it. See, you said it, so don't get mad at the pastor. Don't get mad at the pastor because you're the one that said it, not me. Come on, help me, Jesus. I've got to get on with this. Watch. See, you, you say, Pastor, are you, you're trying to take up? No, I'm not going to take another offering. But watch this. We're never going to give if we don't believe that things can change because we have a good God. On the contrary, what you'll do is you can say you believe, but what you'll do is you'll look at your finances and you'll hold back. You won't take a step of faith. So, what is faith? Faith is that belief that moves to another level and it begins to act. It is a proving, it's an evidencing of what we believe. They are inexplicably linked together. They are conjoined twins. But one takes this belief to another level and it's called faith. Now you say, Pastor, how, what's this have to do with power? Because there is power that God has already put on supply force. He's already put on tap force. And he said, listen, what you need to do is to begin to act upon what you believe. If you believe that God is good, then begin to act like it. Stop walking around all the time bemoaning the situation you are in. If you believe that God loves you, stop walking around all the time believing that you are the scum of the earth and the dirt underneath the wagon wheel that the snake's belly rubs on. I could try to get fancy and, you know, do something else. I'm trying to get it to you, though. See, watch what I'm talking about here is faith. The power of faith. These three remain. Those, are, those of you that are, are visitors here today, uh, thank you for coming. This is about as good as it gets. <clears throat> so we're not, trying to, we're not trying to surprise you with some eloquence. We're, we're pretty there, okay? Just say, go ahead. See, seven months ago, Pastor Hansi Stain, some of you remember him, the, the, the minister from South Africa, came and he ministered a message called Hybrid Faith. Some of you may remember that, some of you may not. But it inspired me and I began to study it out for myself. And what I'm going to tell you, you say, well, Pastor, you're going to preach his sermon. No, I'm not going to preach his sermon. What I will tell you is I milk a lot of cows, but I churn my own butter. Some of you didn't have the faintest clue what that meant because you were not from the farm. But I may take a lot of inspiration from a whole lot of different people and a whole lot of different things, and then I'll study it out for myself so I can see what God is saying. But I'm telling you, I'm making my own butter to serve to you today. So somebody say, give us the butter. Here's what I want you to understand. Several months ago, he brought this message, and it inspired me to do some research myself. What I found out is that a hybrid is something made by combining, combining two different elements, or it is a mixture of things. For example, a, a hybrid car is a mixture of both a gas engine and a or an electric engine. Okay, it's both gas and electric. Did you know that a mule is, is a hybrid of a donkey and a horse? Alright? You can you can have some of the cutest hybrid animals in the world. I mean, you could put a German Shepherd and a Great Dane together and you could have some of the cutest little puppies that you just want to kiss their fuzzy little faces. But they are mutts. That's not disgraceful. That's not, I'm, not, I'm not fussing at you because I think every dog we've ever had was a mutt. It was a Heinz 57. Nobody else wanted it. And at some time, they cross-eyed. I told Angela, we've had all of the special needs dogs in the world. <clears throat> we've had dogs that have been run over. We called them our special needs child. You know, we've had, you know... 
Listen, I'm not, I'm not against it, but listen, it's not a purebred, it's a hybrid. Now, what I want you to understand is this. Scientists discovered how to hybrid things. Stay with me for just a minute. I, I, I promise I'm going someplace with this. Scientists discovered how to hybrid things. For example, they made hybrid vegetables. And the way it works, now listen to this, the way it works is by changing the DNA of one plant with the DNA of another plant. Now, what they did, uh, for example, let me give you an example. For, in order to, to, to get a perfect corn seed that bugs wouldn't eat and it wouldn't be infested with all the different things, they crossed the corn seed with a cucumber seed. Why they chose a cucumber seed, I don't have the faintest idea. I'm not a scientist. But they found out if they would take the DNA out of the, the cucumber seed and inject it into the DNA of the, 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 the corn seed, they could make a perfect corn seed that bugs would leave alone. The way they did it was rather interesting, though, because the way they did it was they made the corn seed sick and stressed out. And then its defenses were down so that the new DNA could enter in and intermix. Listen. I've just got to cut just ahead a little bit and tell you that that's where so many Christians are living right now. They are stressed out with their belief. They're sick in their belief. And what it's done is it's caused their actions of faith to be hit and miss at the best. Listen, if we're acting on our hope and our fears and doubts all at the same time, then our actions are going to be all mixed up and convoluted. And listen, we're not going to receive what we're trying to believe for. We're allowing our faith to become hybrid. Now listen, I'm not saying that this is you. Maybe, maybe you sit here today and you say, well, praise God, that's not me. And if it's not wonderful, I applaud you, but I'm going to admit it's been me several times in the past. Sometimes I'll say in the past day. Sometimes in the past week. Maybe sometimes in the past few moments. I have a lot, oh, somebody in the house that would be like me would just say, Pastor, it's me too, I, I admit. Since we don't want to admit it for ourselves, just go ahead and admit it for your friend right there. Say, she needs help, Pastor, preach to her. So let me take you for just a few seconds this morning. Let me take you for a few moments. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew, the 17th chapter, because this is where we're going to be going for the rest of this message. Matthew, the 17th chapter, verse number 20 says this. If ye have faith. Now, what is faith? That's the evidence and the action on our belief. As a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How many of you have ever heard that scripture? How many of you have ever taken condemnation because of that scripture? Be honest, I have. Because I always saw that word and it said, go back, to, go back one slide, please. Ken. It says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, how many of you have ever seen a grain of mustard seed? I've had preachers come along and show me a grain of mustard seed. And in my mind, I immediately thought, good Lord Jesus, that is so little. I don't even have that much faith. Because I always saw that in the size of. If you just have faith in the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say the mountains be removed and they would be removed. And I'm thinking, good Lord Jesus, I must have the littlest faith in the entire universe. Because there's the mustard seed and mine must be like, yeah, just teeny bits. But the word as here in the Greek, pas, means to be in like manner. Or to be in same manner as. 
It has nothing to do with the size. It means to be like the mustard seed. Not the size of the mustard seed, but in the same manner of the mustard seed. So what's the manner of the mustard seed? I'm glad you asked because here's where we get to the meat of where we need to go today. Number one, let me give you just a couple of facts about the mustard seed. Number one, the mustard seed cannot, cannot, I repeat, cannot be hybrid. Wow. See, scientists tried. They tried, 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 and they discovered that the mustard seed cannot be hybrid and it would just not receive the stresses that they were trying to use or the viruses that they were trying to weaken it with. It just refused to take them. Come on, somebody. What I'm trying to tell you is for the Christian, there is nothing that stresses or stops our faith actions any quicker than doubt and unbelief. You get a promise from God, you get tanked up at church, and you walk out of the church feeling, I'm going to take on the city, I'm going to do everything in Jesus' name, I'm going to whip the devil and every devil he brings with him. I'm going bring, to bring your brothers with you, devil. Bring your friends, bring your... Come on, I don't care, you bring them on, I'll whip you in the bus you rode in on. Then all of a sudden, something happened. It's kind of like back in the beginning with Genesis, the third chapter. Watch this. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Hold up. Hold your, hold your horses. Calm down. Did God say, Did he really say what you just said he said? You remember we told you that the scientists, in order to, to, to hybrid this, this, this seed, they had to interject or they had to inject, and it was through a, a hypodermic needle, they had to inject the DNA of that new plant or that new seed into the old seed, and they did it through a virus. Do you understand that the needle prick, the injection of doubt into Adam and Eve's faith was right there when he said, Did God really Say, that was the injection of the doubt DNA into Adam and Eve's faith. But come on, somebody, he's still trying to inject into your faith, into your heart, into your mind. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said in John 16, in this world you're going to have tribulation. The word tribulation there, philipsis, means stress. Sometimes just being alive is stressful. Sometimes just looking in the mirror. Come on. How many of you have got up and you've been feeling good? You had your cup of coffee? You were, you were feeling it and you was, you was dancing to the music and you were getting it going and you look in the mirror and there's 15 new wrinkles 14 new white hair, and you are having a hair day that makeup will not help. You can put all the lipstick you want on, but it's not changing this. Oh, you sitting there. Come on, guys. You sitting there, and all of a sudden your wife tells you, Oh, honey, I heard something go bang in the car. And you're going, Oh... Oh, and in your mind you hear him the click of the of the of the of the cash register. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. 
Cha-ching! See, what I'm trying to tell you is in this world, you're going to have hypodermic needles that are, are shooting at you. And to complicate it even more, you can't keep some thoughts from coming. Come on, just be honest. Let's be real in this house. I know you all saved on this Sunday morning. You're all wonderful and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. And you all just, hallelujah. I mean, you're just, you're, you're just like five inches off the floor because you're all so holy. But how many of you had thoughts this last week? I didn't ask you what they were. Just don't, 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 don't say them. What I'm saying is you had thoughts that came in that you knew were not godly. You knew He didn't send them to you, but you had them come. You can't keep some thoughts from coming, can you? How many of you had emotions rise up that you knew... You knew it wasn't the Holy Ghost. You knew it wasn't the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I wish I had some honest people in this house, more than just a couple on the front row. You knew you weren't supposed to be letting those emotions run, but they started the horses. They started got Come on, somebody. I had my two... My two associate pastors came in my office Monday morning. I hadn't called them in my office, and they both came in, and I said, Oh, God, Jesus, what do you all want? <laughs> now, if I call them in, I have, the pre- I have the plan of what I'm saying. When they both come in at the same time, Katie barred the door. And they sat down, and they said, Pastor, we need to talk. And I went, Oh, God, all right. Unload your stuff. And immediately my emotions... See, some of you don't know what it is to be emotional. I know, I know, you're not like me. But immediately my emotions jumped up and ran over her to the side and said, I told you, Jesus doesn't love you. All the world hates you. You're going to hell in a handbasket and everybody else is going with you. Uh, you are, you're going to fail. You're going to not make it. You're not even going to have one more promise that God ever said to you. My emotions... Now, I know some of you have steeled yourself against any kind of pressure. And that's why you call me to pray for you at all hours of the night. You nasty lying thing. I'm going to pray for all of you to get saved in the house and quit lying in the house of God. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I, just admit, say, I have had emotions. Come on, go ahead and turn to somebody and say, and all of them were not godly. Listen, this complicates our lives, doesn't it? Because there's sometimes we can't keep a thought from coming, and there's sometimes we can't keep an emotion from rising. But what we can do is we can grab those things like 2 Corinthians 10 says, and we can cast down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can bring it into captivity and say, No! You're not taking me somewhere I don't want to go, and you're not going to keep me longer than I want to be. You're not going to do it to me now. I realize you've come knocking at my door, but I don't have to accept delivery of the package. See, the Bible says in Second Corinthians 5-7, We walk by faith. The word walk there, I mean, I mean listen, I, I realize some of you are going, well, you, you, you're picking apart scriptures too much, Pastor. No, watch this. The word walk means live. Yeah. 
It means we live. It means we make our way. And it means we make progress. Listen to me, sweetheart. Listen to me, sir. Listen to me, young child. Listen to me, teenager. We're not going to get there all the way probably tomorrow. You're going to make progress towards what you're getting towards tomorrow, though, by faith. Acting upon the belief that God is good and that He loves you. See, we're going to walk. We're going to make progress. We're going to live by faith in the belief that God is good. And not, listen to me, listen to me, not the junk that the enemy is always trying to inject into our lives. Let me show you this in Scripture. Mark the 11th chapter, verse 23, famous Scripture says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, and does not Doubt. Now watch. He does not hybrid his faith with all the junk the enemy is trying to show us and send to us. If he doesn't do that in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Now watch this. Here's what I want you to understand about that word doubt. Diakarinie. The word doubt means to separate and learn by that separation. Now some of you are going to get this in just a second. To separate and learn by that separation. This is what happens when we make our decisions by extracting information we need about our walk with Jesus from our life experiences rather than the Word of God. How many of you have ever done that? You, you started making decisions about how good God was based upon how good your life was at the moment. Now, if it was going wonderful, well, wow, that's wonderful. That's great. That's awesome. That's, that's just praise God. But how many of you know that most of us do not make our decisions about our life based upon our good experiences in the past? We tend to look at the negative things and then we make assumptions about everybody else and everything else in our life. Somebody hurt you in church. Somebody was rude. Somebody was not on their game that day and didn't say hello and shake your hand, hug your neck, pat you, give you a donut and a cup of coffee and lead you to your seat and then put your feet up and give you a massage at the same time. They didn't pet on you. They didn't pamper you that day. They were off their game. The waitress was rude. The cashier was short. I'm not talking about stature. The pastor didn't get to you. And so what you did was you started making the decision about church, about church people, about church life, based upon that experience rather than what the Word of God says when it says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and even more so as the day approaches. Well, I tried, but they're all hypocrites there. Don't worry about all the hypocrites here. There's always room for you and one more. Don't worry about the hypocrites on your row. Look at some of you. You're scared to even look now. Listen, what I understand is a very simple thing. We put our hurt glasses on and we see everything through that tainted hybrid with hurt viewpoint. Yes. Yes. 
listen, sweetheart, you've got to take off those negative life glasses and start grabbing hold of hope and faith again. These three remain. So, so listen, I've got to hurry. So the mustard seed refuses to be hybrid. Everybody say, it refuses. That means that it's just not going to accept it. Oh, I'm sure they tried. Yes, indeed, they did try. They, they still may be trying. But the mustard seed, no. Said no. Said no. Said no. Every time the stress came, that said no. So the mustard seed refuses to be hybrid or mixed. But let me give you one more fact about the mustard seed. Because number two, the mustard seed grows in spite of its surroundings. In fact... I found this out and I found it to be just fascinating to me. It can grow, the mustard seed can grow in some of the most contaminated, infested areas, even where other plants are choked out. It has this natural bug repellent and it's a disease repellent. And what it does is it puts down roots into the soil that are almost virtually or almost indestructible. And what it does... I love this. The mustard seed only takes out of the soil. Everybody say only. Come on, everybody say only. It only takes out of the soil the nutrients it needs to be a mustard seed and it leaves everything else alone. Listen, if we're going to have faith that endures, faith that remains, there may be some things right where you're planted that you need to start leaving alone. Oh, listen to your pastor. There may be some people and some activities you may need to leave alone. Well, pastor, I have freedom. I didn't say you didn't have freedom, but I also know that some freedom is going to get you in a whole lot of trouble if you're not careful. Just because you can go 100 miles an hour in your car doesn't mean you ought to, especially around these country roads. Are you in the house? Just because you have the freedom to go ahead and get on Facebook and trash everybody in the nation doesn't mean you ought to. Just because you have, oh, help me, Jesus. Just because you have the ability to get on and air all your drama on Facebook doesn't mean everybody wants to hear it. That wasn't anointed, that was just me. I don't need to go on Facebook and see that you have a cold sore. Deal with your nasty lip yourself. Help me, Jesus. Somebody always wanted to critique everything. I've been on this, this, this forum. My wife's on a forum. I don't even know I'm going to name the name of it. People getting on, 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 on this forum and fussing about milk. If you don't like it, quit drinking it. Jesus, help us in heaven above. Go get some pop. Get your fix another way. I don't care. Help me, Lord. That had nothing to do with anointing. It had everything to do with just a frustration of seeing people. And then what we do is we start looking at other people saying, well, they're just haters. Oh, help me, Jesus. Listen, there may be some people, there may be some activities. There may be some things that we, not, we need to stop allowing our minds to think on. Listen, there may be some things that you need to stop chewing on with your mouth. You may need to check your emotions and stop letting them run wild. 
Because that's what Philippians, the, 13th, or the third chapter, is talking about when it says, Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen to me, church. Some of us have been taking way too much junk out of the soil we've been set in. I understand you may be in one of the most contaminated, sin-filled jobs in the universe. But baby, you don't have to take your nutrients from that. If God has you there right now, you praise Jesus, I got to hush. If He's got you there right now, then you start making a difference and stop letting them influence you. Stop taking the junk out of the soil you're in. Stop allowing the filth of your present situation to color the beauty of your future promise. Stop letting the mess you're in get in you. Help me, Jesus. Somebody say, forget it. Somebody say, forget it. Say, move on. So let's get some practicalities. I've got to bring this to a close. Let's get some practicalities. How we're going to act this faith. How are we going to practice faith that remains or endures? You ready? That was overwhelming. Let's get some practicalities. Let me give you, let me give you about three of them very quickly. I promise I'm not going to go forever. Number one, be persistent. Be persistent. Turn to the person next to you, kind of elbow them and says, you need to get some persistence. Be persistent. Let me give you another fact, and I promise I'm not going to go very far in this, but I found this study on the mustard seed were almost just amazing and just so intriguing to me. One of the facts about the mustard seed was that it will disperse. It will disperse for germination, or it will disperse seeds, about 60,000 seeds in a, a little over a 10 square foot area. One plant, one mustard seed bush, one mustard seed plant will disperse about 60,000 square or 60,000 seeds in a little over a 10 foot square area. Now what I'm going to tell you is that those seeds, they found those seeds have been known to go into the ground and wait for up to 30 years to be germinated. They just held on. Some of you can't wait 30 days. Some of you can't wait 30 minutes to get out of the house. Before you start, oh, just hush, Pastor. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little mouth. Come on, up to 30 years for germination. You know what that is? That's persistence, baby. See, in faith that remains and endures is persistent. And to be persistent, let me tell you this. To be persistent, we need to be cautious about what we're feeding our spirit and our soul. Because one of the quickest ways to give up and fail is start chewing on the mess that everybody else will try to put on your plate. In other words, say it this way. You could tweet this. I got it right. You could tweet this. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Let me tell you that the enemy is going to try to rise up. He will try to rise up. He will try to rise up and mess with you. He'll bring issues. He'll bring situations to steal your focus. And that's usually a sign that you're irritating him and making headway somewhere. But whatever, whatever, whatever. We remain committed and persistent. 
Let me show you this in Scripture very quickly. Mark, the fifth chapter. You don't have to turn there. They'll put it up here for you. Mark 5 says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. There's a word there that I want you to understand. Go back, just go back one, 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 one slide. There's a word right there that she came in the press. Everybody say press. Now, the word press there means a crowd or a collection of people or a multitude. That's, that's, the, that's the first meaning in the Greek. How, how many of you ever heard me tell you that in the Greek, there's sometimes there are secondary meanings? This one has a secondary meaning that I love. Because the secondary meaning of the word press, which means a, cl- a crowd, a collection of people, or a multitude, the secondary meaning in the Greek says common people with contempt or the ignorant multitude. What do you mean, Pastor? Sometimes you're going to have to believe and persevere in the face of people who are haters of what you're trying to believe for. They're ignorant. Don't hate them. But they're going to be ignorant of what you're trying to believe for. And they're not going to be helping you to try to believe. In fact, they'll probably be standing in your way. But that's what faith that endures does. It perseveres in face of the crowd, the ignorance, and even the contempt of others. First practicality, be persistent. Let me give you another one. Ready? Number two, be generous. Everybody say, be generous. generous. Remember I told you that the mustard seed put out over 60,000 seeds in a matter of 10 square foot? Can you understand that that's some generosity? That's some generosity. In fact, that's going a little bit above and and beyond, right? But that's the mustard seed's character. It is generous. Watch this. In 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 6 through 7 and verse 9 in the Amplified Bible says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously that blessings may come to others, will also reap generously and be blessed. For God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. Verse 9 says, As it is written and forever remains written, He, the benevolent and generous person scattered abroad, He gave. Listen, remember I told you that the Bible says there that if we have faith, as or like manner in the same manner as a mustard seed? What's the mustard seed? It's persistent. It is generous. But let me tell you this. Generosity is not just about money. Generosity is a spiritual character and an attitude that shows itself in our actions and our deeds. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying stop letting your testimony be put down. Don't stop putting your testimony out there. Don't stop believing. Don't stop loving. Don't stop forgiving. Don't stop. In fact, be generous with what you do. Why, Pastor? Because your Jesus has already been generous of you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. He's been generous with you. Be persistent. Be generous. Let me give you this last practicality and I'm going to close. And that is this. Receive again. Receive again. 
I don't know how many times, or let me just say, there's so many times that we come into a church service and we hear a sermon or a testimony of, of how God's grace raised someone out of drugs and has set them in a right place. Or we, or we hear a sermon or we hear something else. Or we, or we hear music and, and it inspires us and it encourages us and our, our believing is, is, is amplified. And we get up and we, we start looking at, yes, Father, I believe and I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to do that. God, I'm going to. And we get all tanked up. But the Bible says that once we do that, we ought to receive again. What do you mean, Pastor? Let me show you this in Acts the 19th chapter, the second verse. Jesus said unto them, not Jesus, but Paul said unto them, He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? See, the practicality here is we need to open up and allow the Spirit of God to fill us fresh again. Oh, Pastor, I did that 20 years ago. Well, fine, then do it again. Well, I don't need to do it again. I it. No, you need to do it again because some of you are kind of crusty. I get there. I get crusty real quick. Because sometimes I'm out in the hotness of the life that I live. And I can get dried out real quick. I can get around some people that aren't no real good believers, and, and what happens is my believing for some reason. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to help them believe, and it seems like all of my belief is just sucking right out of me. Are you in the house? That means that you and I ought to be receiving again fresh today. If you haven't done it, you ought to. You ought to receive again the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor, that's a, that's a one-time gift. Are you crazy? How many of you know that washing your body in, in the shower is more than a once-in-a-lifetime gift? How many of you have wanted to explain that to some people that you've been around? I have been very tempted. I mean, I know, I know Angela and I have been in the store and, and, and we were standing right there in the soap aisle. And I have an innate problem of speaking sometimes before I think. I know one time we were in a, in a, in a church and I went, Man! Honey? And she said, shh. I said, shh, nothing, something stinks. And she's going, you know, she's... Shh, shut up. I'm going, well, I don't know why you can't smell it, but there's something. Is your nose stuffed up, baby? Because I'll pray for you right now, because there's something in the air that is rank. And all the time she's going, shut up. And I wouldn't know it. <laughs> then I grabbed the dial of the dove and I went, this stuff really smells good. It's 79 cents. I tell you what, if anybody ever needed some, I'd buy it for them. Shh, shh. Come over here to the milk aisle. Come over here. I'm going. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is I know there's some folk. 
I'm not talking about at Myers. I'm talking about in the house of God. This is my I love your face. You may need a fresh impartation. And if you're going to do it in a world that wants to take you and wring you out, you probably need a fresh receiving of His Spirit again. You say, what practicality? Yes. Tomorrow morning, you need to get up and say, Holy Ghost, fill me for everything i got to do today. Cleanse me from everything. When I don't have to pray the sinner's prayer. I didn't say nothing about no sinner. I said just you get nasty, dirty walking around in life. And so Holy Ghost, just cleanse me and get me ready for this day. And then on Tuesday, Holy Ghost, yesterday's done. I need a fresh impartation of you today. I need you to come on me. Clean me from the inside out, from the outside in. I want the top to the bottom, side to side, north to south, east to west. I want everything done. I want to be under your control, under your power, under your authority. I want to receive. Receive you fresh again. Receive again. If you're ready to believe that and receive that, would you stand in this house? And I want you to lift your hands in this house. And I want you just to tell him that in this place. Come on. Somebody right now, just lift your hands and say, Holy Ghost, I want to receive you fresh again this morning. I receive you fresh again this morning. I want you to receive in this house again fresh. A fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. A fresh infilling of what you need to make it through this life, through this week, this day, this next day, this next day, this next week. Whatever the devil has in store for you, God has already said, I've given you a way. I gave you hope and faith that remains. Holy Ghost. We receive fresh today. We receive fresh today. Let me give you the scriptures. We're going to close this out. They're getting ready to play you out of this house. But the Bible says this in 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world. (laughs) Even our faith. Come on, somebody. What I'm trying to tell you is that you can... You will and you are going to overcome. I don't care what you're up against. It's not that I don't care. I'm saying it doesn't matter what you're up against. You are all, you are going to overcome through faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. In fact, I want you to lift up a hand and I want you to make a confession of that right now. Say, Father, Father, my victory has already been established. It's already done. And it now is in my faith. So I insert the key. I push the pedal. And I begin to act on my belief that my daddy God is good. That he loves me. He has great plans for me. He wants the blessing in me. He wants the blessing through me. And I receive again the Holy Spirit. To seal it, even this day, in Jesus' name. Come on. One of the ways that faith acts, and I I promise, I'm going to close with this. One of the ways that faith acts is faith speaks. What does it speak? It speaks God's Word. 
It speaks your hope. It speaks His goodness. It speaks His grace. It speaks His forgiveness. It speaks His love. It speaks what He's done. And it speaks what He's already told us in the Word. I don't know. I just gave you five or six things. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to raise our hands again. We're going to make a declaration in this house of faith. You ready? We're going to speak because one of the ways that faith acts is it speaks.